the MLS season has just concluded. So that means that we are recapping the regular season, going team by team, talking about how they performed and uh, what we can expect from their offseason or their playoff performance. We also go into the individual and team awards that we have uh, predicted in the past, whether it be MVP, Young Player of the Year Award, or Most Disappointing Team. We talk about it all. We talk about the entirety of the MLS regular season, so stick around for that. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show. That link will be down below. And yeah, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. My name is Jack. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts here. I'm a fan of Minnesota United, Chelsea Football Club, Atalanta, the French and U.S. national teams. But only one of those teams is going to be really important for today's topic of the episode. But before we get into that topic, I want to make sure to introduce, as always, the other co-host of this fantastic podcast, AJ. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that, was, that was a very uh, that was a long-winded but very good intro, Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and obviously the team we're going to be talking about is Atalanta today. So yeah, obviously. No, no, no. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, West Ham United, almost forgot, U.S. national team, and the team that we are going to be talking about, Minnesota United, but it's not just going to be them. It's going to be all the teams in MLS because we are recapping the MLS season, giving our... I would say review of the regular season, which regular season awards should go to which player slash team and just kind of recap how each team's season has gone and really answer the question, was this season a success for that particular team? So the way we're going to do this is we're first going to go over the teams and where they finish. So going over the table uh, going over some team awards, such as like coach of the year and the most disappointing team, most impressive team. And then we'll get into the player awards, which we all are excited for. MVP, Golden Boot. Who who won that? I don't know. Uh, young player of the year. Who's going to win that? Spoiler alert. It's probably going to be the player you think it is. But uh, <laughs> regardless of what we think, don't forget to give us your thoughts by following us on Twitter at Final Third Show, tweeting us angrily, saying that... Uh, oh, this player should have uh, gotten this, or this team's actually very impressive, even though they finished 14th in the East. I don't know. <laughs> That's FC Cincinnati <laughs> for those of you who, uh, for some reason, don't know that Cincinnati's the worst team in MLS. Uh, sorry, Cincinnati fans. Uh, so, Jack, why don't we get into it and talk a little bit about the teams? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, let's get kicked off with uh, seeing how awful... Our predictions were from the beginning right. of the season back in the early days of the podcast, you could say in late March and early April, we did a three part series on MLS predictions. Uh, I mean, if you want to check those out now, they're not going to be that <laughs> interesting now, but uh, you always could. But we're going to talk about how much we got wrong on those predictions. Exactly. Yes. So, AJ, which 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 side of the table do you want to start it off with? I think we should go with the objectively uh, worst conference. You which mean is the Eastern Conference? Yeah, the Eastern Eastern Conference, exactly, yep, yeah. Yep. And the reason why I bring that up is because, A, uh, I, I think the Western Conference is just interesting uh, in general, and B, Jack and I actually did some you know, calculations, some nap napkin calculations to find out 
just how wrong we were <laughs> numerically. So we, we basically found the difference between where we ranked the teams, their actual uh, rankings and at the end of the season, average them out to find uh, the average amount of wrongness we were, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, so starting with the East, let's start from the bottom, Jack. And to nobody's surprise, or at least to nobody who's educated in MLS's surprise, Cincinnati finished last 14th place. Only four wins, which is incredibly bad. 37 goals, 474 goals against, ended the season with a long, long run of losses. Jack, before we talk about Cincinnati in general, where did you have Cincinnati finishing in your prediction way back in April? Well, you said any educated person would pick them to be last. Neither of us picked them to be last. That is true. Because that is I true. Picked them, I was close. I picked them in 13th. I thought okay. I had a little bit more hope for some of the big signings they brought in. But unfortunately, Cincinnati is Cincinnati, for Cincinnati fans at least. And I picked 13th for them. All right. I... I unfortunately held on to the belief that, you know, bringing in Brenner, you know, uh, bringing in people like Jeff Cameron to really shore up that defense would be, you know, a positive move towards something really good, especially with Acosta coming in and seeming like he could potentially change the the, the fortune of this club and moving to TQL Stadium. You know, maybe they'll get a, a, a an atmosphere bump in the midseason. But obviously that didn't happen and it didn't happen in a very bad way. I said that they will get 11th place. So I was three off. Not a great start, especially when <laughs> FC Cincinnati, this is their third season in a row getting the wooden spoon. So I guess we should have kind of predicted that. Uh, Jack, is there any hope for them this offseason? Do you think they have, I believe, a new GM that, uh, just got announced? They have, uh, I think, yeah, they're in the works in getting a, a new head coach. Is there any hope for them this offseason? There could be. I mean, uh, you don't sound confident. No, because it's Cincinnati. I don't have confidence in Cincinnati for the most Oof. part because they usually let you down. Uh, so I, I think there's hope, but I don't think they're going to go from like a wooden spoon three years running team to like a playoff contender. I think they will be a slightly less worse team. If, uh but not better necessarily, I guess. Okay. I that sounds confusing, but I, I swear it makes sense in my head. Yeah, no, it makes sense because especially in MLS where you have these long contracts and the act of acquiring players and offloading them can get pretty convoluted very, very quickly. The fact that Cincinnati has been tied to some subpar players for a long time and they're just getting out of that situation and they're now moving towards a new era with a new GM and a new head coach. I mean, that it takes time to build a real contender. I mean, just look at Toronto FC, who, you know, were pretty terrible for the first, I would say, you know, couple of years in, in their team's lifespan in MLS. They obviously built a championship caliber team. And that took a lot of time, a lot of resources, both on and off the field. And like you, I don't, necessarily know what they need to do to get out of the basement but it does involve those slow incremental changes uh in the backroom staff and especially with player personnel because let's face it i i can't name you most of their team and that's not because i don't like having cincinnati it's just because none of them are, are particular 
particularly notable, aside from a couple. So I mentioned Toronto FC. They are 13th place in the East. Jack, where did you put Toronto FC? Because I'm looking at my chart and it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I, I did better than you on this one, Yeah, okay. but it's still bad. I, I put them in sixth. I said in, in our predictions that they have an old aging core and they're, they might struggle uh, to put, when uh, they didn't really rebuild during the transfer windows. But I really underestimated how much of a downfall there would be uh, from just everything for, for Toronto. So, yeah, um, sit seven off on that then? That, that's pretty bad. That's my, my second worst one uh, of the entire episode. Or yeah. the entire table. My bad. I I sympathize with you, Jack, because I did even worse, as you mentioned. I put them in third, which is absolute blasphemy when you consider it that, that I was 10 off. And the reason why I picked them to be third is because, you know, I, I really liked the young players that they were potentially bringing in. And you you chastised me for talking about their core of like Michael Bradley, Josie Altador. Mavinga, Justin Mara, and I was like, oh, they're old, but they're good. No. Apparently not, because no. <laughs> like Josie was was injured for a long time. Uh they their young players that they brought in either weren't good enough or Chris Armist, their head coach at the time, w- wasn't uh, bringing them in. So it was it was kind of a, a slow train wreck, this Toronto FC team from potentially looking good, you know, doing well in the early stages of the CONCAP Champions League to firing Armis and most importantly having a terrible run of form only getting a couple points to start the season off in large part due to the fact that they were not in Toronto for the longest of times I think they were in Florida to begin the season and that obviously will hurt them and I think that momentum plus the injuries plus all the other issues with the team just hurt them I just like Cincinnati, it's going to take a while to build them back up to championship status. I think getting Michael Bradley and Josie Altador at least off the designated player books is going to help. And I believe that's on the way because they have a huge, huge wage bill. Like, I, I think it still might be the biggest in the league, if not definitely top three. And traversing that and getting past that is going to be the most major hurdles. Jack, anything to say about Toronto before we move to Chicago? Nah, I mean they 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 were just bad this season. Hopefully they they'll get bad. better, but they've got a lot of rebuilding to do. Yes, speaking of rebuilding, that's what Chicago Fire is doing right now. Uh, they finished twelfth, thirty four points, so a little better than Toronto and Cincinnati at twenty eight and twenty. Jack, where do you have Chicago? This was when I got right on the money. I put them in twelfth. Oh, wow! So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, even though I do like the Chicago Fire, um, and would have liked to see them do better. I knew the Chicago Fire would still find a way to disappoint. They they were literally like just average. They had one point per game. Like right. I think I, if I don't think you can get more average than one point per game. So maybe one point five points per game is a little bit more average, but still, they yeah uh, they they weren't inspiring necessarily. They had some good moments throughout the season, but still weren't the most impressive i think and that shows given that they canceled the contracts or opted not to renew for nine yep. first team players including that, a designated player yep exactly uh barich is mm-hmm. is out of there uh which is shocking to me because he had 20 goals in two seasons not too bad for them but yeah. 
still, they, they obviously have their sights set on something bigger, but, you know, Chicago's going to be rebuilding for a while. But AJ, where did you have the Chicago Fire? Uh, I had them in the basement. I had them as 14th because I looked at this team and to for the most part, I was right because, you know, they were not good at all this season. <laughs> uh, but I had them 14 because I thought that, you know, they do worse than other teams. So I was two off because they finished in 12th. Uh, not just they just didn't get rid of Barrich. They let go of a lot of other players and their head coach a couple of weeks ago, Raphael Wicke, let go of their captain, Francisco Calvo. And so, you know, they moved to a new stadium. They had their you know second rebrand, a much better rebrand this time around. They really need a winning team in Chicago. So this offseason's all about, you know, after getting all of these players and dead weight out really trying to get a winning team in Chicago because you need that in order to win this city over their t- attendances were not great in soldier field. So they just need to retool and come back swinging. Uh, speaking of coming back swing, uh, inner Miami tried to by signing a bunch of old players, uh, <laughs> failed to because they were, they finished 40 f- with 41 points, which is only seven points off the playoffs. They weren't eliminated too too early but still jack where do you have these uh i would say basement dwellers i well i had them in the basement in last place i said that they would be the worst i had no faith in anyone but you know gonzalo Higuain didn't play awful this season sure he wasn't great and hitting the heights that everyone expected potentially but i don't think miami were awful i think they were you know just just about just about average. They obviously have to improve in a lot of places, but uh, you know, I think picking picking bottom was still kind of fair. And uh I could I could see them kind of being down there for the foreseeable future. Yes, especially because, you know, if it's been uh so long that we've forgotten that they still have sanctions on them due to having what, five designated players on their roster last right, year? Right. <laughs> and so a, they have to traverse that and, you know, work with a more limited budget because they don't have that much uh, allocation money to play with. But also they have to, you know, get rid of these older players. They have to replace the likes of Federico Higuain, who retired this year. And that's going to be tough when you have limitations, when you have a, a bad roster to deal with. And you also have to uh, contend with still trying to remain at least exciting because you, you are in playing in one of the the most exciting cities in the world. And so that is a lot of work for Inter-Miami and uh, David Beckham there. But they did finish the season by beating New England. So, you know, maybe there's good news abound. I don't know. Uh, I had them near the bottom in 13th place. I was two off there. Jack, let's move on to a team that you are pretty fond of. uh, CF Montreal, formerly Montreal Impact. Finished in 10th place, almost made the playoffs. If only some results went their way, and they also beat, uh, who did they play at the end? Orlando. 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 Yeah. yeah. Lost 2-0 to zero to them. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have lost because uh, I, I think I remember a pretty contentious penalty decision, I believe. I All believe right. that's correct, yeah. Jack, where do you have uh, the Montreal Impact slash CF Montreal? Well, this is another one I actually had right on the money. I had him wow. in 10th place, so... Uh, the two teams that I said I quite like in the East, I got them right on right on there. So pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, Montreal, I think that they have a lot of potential in their team. 
as shown by the fact that they were alive in the playoffs until the very last day. So uh, I, I think they've got potential. They've still got some work to do to get up to making the playoffs, you know, becoming a solid contender as they, you know, used to be in the early 2010s, you know, they mm-hmm. because they they made it close to winning the CCL as well, if, yep. I, if I'm remembering correctly. That, you know, that was the, my first exposure to a CCL heartbreak way back in like middle <laughs> school. I was watching that. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the Drogba days, you know, oh, uh, yeah. with, and Piotti. Right. But. You know, Montreal is finding their way forward for this, uh, for the next, you know, I'd say next decade. They're starting to rebuild. Hopefully they can find those missing pieces. I think they still need to strengthen their defense a little bit more and find some potentially more productive attackers. But still, uh, I, I think that I think they have some promising stuff in the future. Regardless of how they finish this season. It's it's been a great season, especially for uh, Wilfred Nancy and everyone at CF Montreal, because I completely forgot this until I did some more research on them. But I forgot that they lost Thierry Henry like a couple yep. of weeks before the season began. So it was a scramble to get a head coach. And what they've done there, especially without you know being able to be in Canada for a pretty sizable chunk of season there to see that foundation get built up. I'm really hoping they build around the likes of Mihalovic, who's been very, very good this season. You know, building around hopefully a, a good domestic American and Canadian core, I think will be very important for Montreal as they try to find a more direct identity with the team and with uh, the fans there after their rebrand. I think it's going to be exciting given how good Nancy was with uh, Montreal this season. I can really see them pushing for playoffs and potentially even being a comfortable playoff contender next season. Uh, I had them in 12th place. I didn't really believe in them, especially after all the the chaos surrounding the beginning of the season. So, uh, you know, you live and you learn. Uh, A team that has definitely uh, learned a lot this season is the Columbus Crew, who, you know, to be fair, finished the season off pretty strongly. Uh, I I, I guess... uh, Strong is a relative term, but Jack, where do you have the former reigning champions? A new champion will be uh, crowned this year. Where do you have them? Uh, I think I might want to skip this one because <laughs> I had them in first place. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, injuries ravaged this team, destroyed them uh, from, from the start. And just everything that seemed like it could go wrong just went wrong for them. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, they really paid the price for it. I I, I think I did it. This is the worst one I had in the entire Eastern Conference. My worst prediction. Having the crew winning. Uh, the only thing that saves this is I don't think I predicted them to win the Supporters' Shield. And thank <laughs> God I didn't do that. But either way, um, AJ, where did you have the crew this season? Uh, I had them as one of my disappointing teams. Because uh, I knew, like, you know, CCL is going to ravage the team. I knew injuries were going to stack up because of that. Uh, I had some other issues with, uh, you know, the player personnel and whatever, whatever. I still thought they were a good team. I had them in fourth place. So not as bad as you, but still, you know, it was up there. I gave them the home playoff spot, whatever. Uh, I got nothing much to say about Columbus other than they definitely will be back once, you know, Caleb Porter can actually figure his stuff out. Because this is the second time, I believe. Uh, the first being Portland, where 
after they won a championship, they went straight to being straight mediocre. So hoping for the best there. Uh, DC United is the next team. Now, this is an interesting uh, dilemma because DC United, 47 points with Columbus. I had them uh, relatively low given how pretty decent they were this season. So, Jack, they're right in it till the very end. Where did you have DC United ending up? I had them in 11th. And I think most of the the fact of the underestimation that I had on them was how good Ola Kamara was. I, I don't think that was something uh-huh. that either of us really predicted that he'd be in the race for the Golden Boots this season. Like, sure, we we might have expected he would score some goals, but I don't think either of us were super like, yeah, he's going to be a, a strong contender for Golden yeah. Boot. So I think that's what has to do with a lot of their success this season, because, you know, if you if you look at the record, they lost more games than they won. Yeah. But their goal differential is still positive in that. And they scored 56 goals. The that's problem, pretty good. The problem is the defense. Yeah. They conceded. 54 goals uh which is actually uh the third worst in the in the east so that's got to be fixed up for sure that Mm -hmm. uh, i think i think that was another thing i mentioned when we did the preview i thought their defense might let them down since they had a lot of older veteran players in there that you know probably needed to be replaced but yeah that kind of that kind of showed towards the end of the season i think i i agree and my main takeaway from this season of DC United is, you know, after I think almost like a, a decade, maybe more than that, with a uh, former head coach Ben Olsen, like moving to Hernan Lasada, who I, I'll admit I had my doubts of because he he uh, only managed beer shot in the Belgian league, and I was like, who is this guy? Like, can he actually like get the most out of this like kind of tumultuous DC United team? their first head coach since like this long tenured coach left and he's been doing really good like that attacking prowess is really really cool to see yes the defense is a huge question mark but really like cool to see i think the foundation is there and i have no doubt they'll reach the playoffs in the future all right let's go into some of the playoff teams new york red bulls jack uh where do you have them i should say uh dc I had them in 10th place. I was off by two. But moving on to their Atlantic rivals, uh, New York Red Bulls, where do you have uh, them end up? Yeah, well, if you remember from from this, this is one of two teams we had in the same place. So we both had the Red Bulls in ninth place, uh-huh. if, if, I'm, if I'm correct, yes. and, and I wrote this down correctly. But yeah, we both had them in ninth place, just barely missing out on the playoffs. And to be fair, we weren't that far off from it because... They were very, very, very close to missing out on the playoffs this season. But uh, what went wrong for them? I mean, their defense was fine, right? Uh, I think best tied for best in the West in terms of yeah. defensive qualities. Offense, though, not great. Not great at all. Um, they scored the uh, least of all of the playoff teams and third least of all of the teams in MLS. So... That's that's the main issue that let them down. You know, they have they they maintained a decent high pressing system throughout the season, but they were really let down by that lack of productivity in front of goal. And that's what mm-hmm. ultimately sunk them. Or yeah. not sunk them, I should say, because they still made the playoffs, but uh-huh. almost sunk them. Yes. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to agree. I have really nothing else to add uh, with the Red Bulls. I mean, like you said, I also had them in ninth place, so two off there. Uh, a, a decent end to the season as well. They they managed to squeak into the playoffs, so we'll see if they can upset Philadelphia Union in the coming weeks. Orlando City is an interesting team uh, because they finished sixth, and I had them very, very high. I guess I'll spoil it right here. I had them in second place, and also, spoiler alert, I predicted them to win MLS Cup. That's still on the tables, thankfully, but in the sixth seed, that might be a bit tougher. Jack, where'd you have Orlando City finish? Well, it's funny that we just talked about the Red Bulls because this is the other team we agreed on. I had them in second as well. We were both off by quite a bit. Uh, Not too far off, but when you think about it, they could have very nearly been fourth and had a home playoff game. Yes. Like, they were very close to it. The, I mean, the difference is that they had less wins, it looks like, and uh, their goal differential was way worse. Yes. But, yeah, uh, Orlando are a bit of a an interesting team, but since you predicted them to win MLS Cup, why don't you talk, why don't you talk about what, what you saw from Orlando this season? Well, I mean, it was a lot of things, because I... I, I looked at Daryl DK as being kind of the catalyst for change here. Either they sell him and get a lot of money to reinvest into the club, or they ride that high of Daryl DK being good and get a high spot. Obviously, uh, a large part of the reason why they didn't do as high is because Daryl DK himself wasn't doing hot either. He you know, got tired after, fatigued after long, long stretches of playing since like right when the pandemic started, he's been playing straight. So... That obviously was an issue there, and that's why I believe that they would do well, and obviously why they didn't. Um, overall, I think that they're they're a very uh, decent team. My main issue with them is that attacking prowess and that game-changing ability. I'd love to see that kind of flesh itself out in the playoffs. Daryl DK and Nani, I think, are the two biggest changers in the game. Uh, those are going to be your two main outputs. Beyond that. Uh, I think that they struggle, and which is why they're in sixth place. That can obviously change in the playoffs, but I think that's why uh, they fell all the way down there from second to sixth. Atlanta United, uh, their southern rivals, are the next team, fifth place. Uh, another spoiler alert, I had them in first place, and I believe I had them winning the Supporter Shield as well. You did, yes, that is correct. So... That's tough. That's very tough because that obviously uh, didn't happen because Gabriel Heinze kind of <laughs> let things run off the rails pretty, pretty hard. Uh, I-, I will say defensively, they were pretty good. Attacking wise, it was almost nothing like years past, especially under uh, under their their first couple of years, especially the MLS Cup winning season. Jack. Where did you have them and what went wrong with Atlanta other than uh, not enough hydration breaks, perhaps? <laughs> well, I had them in third, so not too far off. They, they okay, did yeah. well to recover uh, after the Heinze disaster, really. Uh, I mean, it was it was just awful. But I think a lot of why they started to see a resurgence was Ezekiel Barco, who MLS fans have bantered. For a long time, he finally got sick of it, and he really turned up towards that towards the end of the season. For real, yeah he he was he was uh, scoring goals, assisting. He was winning penalties. 
uh, he just really turned up. And when Joseph Martinez was out injured, he filled in and Atlanta just started to purr a little bit like the machine started to work. Um, I, I don't have much nuanced analysis as to why it worked other than like a lot of their front three started performing up to expectations and like reach some of the heights that, you know, they, they were kind of expected to reach after after, you know, all of the all of the hype around some of those signings. So that yeah. that's my main takeaway from Atlanta's season. I think given that they've recovered so well under their new coach that they should do well and probably will do better next season. But right. still, Heinze kind of put a big damper on the ceiling for this team, because I think without him, if they had the coach that they have now from the start of the season, they, they could have been up challenging for for the supporter shield. Mm-hmm. I I would have loved to see that. Yeah, Gonzalo Pineda has been doing a great job with Atlanta United, at least in my opinion. Uh, they, they have a lot of great players, so it, it's very frustrating and a bit confusing to see them struggle so much. I mean, they have the likes of, you know, Miles Robinson, Captain America himself. Uh, then you have players like Luis Araujo, who they just got, and then Santiago Sosa, Franco Ibarra, maybe not him, but just actually Joseph Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. These are players that should be doing better than what they're doing right now. Especially given this interesting stat, uh, they've only won one game in 15 tries against playoff teams. That doesn't bode well for them in the playoffs, and it kind of goes to show the kind of uh, follies in this team. It's not a team that can compete at the highest level right now. I can't really answer why that is other than it's a weird season and they'll probably be back in the future. Uh, I'd love to see some more nuanced takes there. Jack, anything else to say about Atlanta United before we move on? No, but I, I mean, I guess I know Reed is probably pretty happy that they recovered yes. uh, to make the playoffs. So, yeah, good for them. Let's let's move on. To the next team, which is NYCFC, we're moving into the home playoff spots. NYCFC, uh, pretty good defensively, only 36 goals uh, given up, 56 goals scored. One of the better goal differences in the East. Jack, where do you have NYCFC? This is the other one I got uh, on the dot. I got wow. him in fourth place. I thought about switching them into fifth. I'm glad looking back that I did not. So I'm very glad that NYCFC uh, did that to prove me right and make me, I think, the superior predictor for the East because yeah. that's three that I got correct. And um, I'm not I, I won't spoil how many you got correct yet, uh, but it's I, zero. <laughs> I think people could do the math. <laughs> yeah. So but either way, NYCFC. Very good season for them. Uh, Castellanos did very well. Wins the golden boot for his for his efforts this season. Had lots of assists. Got 19 goals. Very. Uh, it seems like everything they had kind of ran through him uh, for mm-hmm. for a lot of this. And I I thought you know they might struggle a little bit without Alex Ring. They traded to Austin and they kind of did at some points in time. But you know. Just halfway through the season, I think it was, they really started to click into place because the first half of the season wasn't excellent for them. They they definitely didn't have the greatest start, but as the season kept going, everything just started to click into place and they were playing really well. And 
gets them a home playoff game. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. I think NYCFC did a great job. Uh, I just didn't really rate them in the preseason, so I, I put them right down there next to Red Bulls in eighth place. Not not my most shining moment, uh, but Nashville, I, I, was, I was a little bit closer. They finished in third place uh, with uh, uh, an East best 33 goals against. Pretty good from them. Uh, actually went their entire season without losing a single home game. That was a lot of draws, though. Uh, kind of more, draw more draws than wins. Yep. Yeah. So not the most exciting uh, game to watch, National SC, but defensively, they have been super, super stable. I think that's going to be the, the main talking point going into uh, going into the playoffs. They also have one of the, the best players in this entire league this season, Hany Mukhtar, who 16 goals and 12 assists. One, one of the, I think, yeah, the best uh, goal yep. contribution numbers in the entire league. Really, really good. Some might say that maybe they're too reliant on him, and if he goes cold or, God forbid, gets injured, Nashville SC are kind of in a rougher spot. I had them in sixth place. They were in third. I was three off. Jack, what do you think of Nashville, and where do you put them? Well, I, I think Nashville did great this season. You know, uh, they fixed their main issue from their expansion season. You know, they had the defense down, but they needed the goals to start coming. And they definitely did this season. They definitely improved there. And, you know, uh, that's probably the least nuanced take I can have that they did well because they scored more goals. But <laughs> I mean, it's it's really just the right take. I think, you know, they, they improved from finishing seventh last season to finishing third in the in the Eastern Conference. Very impressive for an expansion team. And I think they're pretty strong contenders for MLS Cup, in all honesty, uh, just because of that defensive record and the fact that they'll probably I think they will be at home for their first two games yep. regardless. So uh, if if they get past their first game, of course, but still uh, that will definitely be a tough place for teams to play, given that no one has beaten them there this season. So yes. I um, I'm sad about this one because I had them outside of the playoffs in eighth. So Yikes. definitely not a good pick. Better yeah. than some other ones, but still not great. <laughs> yeah, National SC, I'm hoping for the best. And I'm hoping that I did better with this next pick. No, I didn't. It's the Philadelphia <laughs> Union in second place. I really thought that they'd have a drop off from their Supporter Shield winning season. Uh, defensively, they've been very good. That defensive pressure, uh, Jim Curtin really knows how to build a solid midfield and defense even though they lost Mark McKenzie and Brendan Aronson, they brought in some great players, including one of my picks for the signing of the season, Leon Flatch uh, from St. Pauli, I believe, uh, from Germany, Bundesliga 2, and really like transformed this team for the better. They just kept on chugging. Chance creation can be uh, kind of a, a folly for this team, but overall, I'm really excited to see this team. Hopefully they don't get... Uh, eliminated right away like last season but uh who knows because i had them in seventh place i was five off not not my best work at all jack philadelphia union what do you think i mean i i think they had a solid season i think a lot of people predict predicted them to do a lot worse this season because of you know losing mark mckenzie 
and Brendan Aronson. We all thought that they were doomed, kind of, or at least doomed to not get a home playoff game. Yeah. But they they really showed up and they're they're showing why they can rival for one of the better academies, I think, in mm-hmm. MLS. Uh, maybe not the best one, because I think we all know who has the best one. Obviously, Minnesota United. But, <laughs> but um, still, either, either way, I, I think that they adapted well to not not do terrible. They technically were almost close to retaining the supporters shield. Kind yeah. of. I mean, I mean, technically and position wise, points position wise, wise. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the no. data you're looking at there. But uh, <laughs> I did a little bit better than you on this i had them in fifth place okay still not great though uh still three off all right well the team that i had in fifth place jack was the new england revolution who ended up not just getting first place not just getting supporter shield but breaking the points record in mls 73 points congratulations revolution fans once again sucks that you lost against miami at home for your final <laughs> day but i guess it really doesn't matter uh Really, this team has it all. They got the chance creators and converters in Buxa, Bo, and Heal. Um, I guess you can point towards maybe the defense as being an issue. I think, honestly, the biggest issue for them going into the playoffs is having to wait so such a long time to play. I know that that can actually be a detriment to have that bye week. So, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to New England. I think that this is the beginning of a, a very good uh, era for them because they have... An honest argument to a lot of players and coaches winning awards for them in the end of season awards. Coach of the year, Bruce Arena, great guy. Uh, I don't know him. He could be a terrible guy. I don't know. <laughs> but great coach, I should say. And then you have the shouts for uh, young player of the year, MVP, comeback player of the year, perhaps. I don't know. But a, a lot of Golden Glove, I should say, Matt Turner. Geez. Like really, really good team from front to back. Jack, where do you have New England and how good are they? I had them in seventh. I said that they might be a dark horse team, but I didn't have as much confidence and I didn't think they would do as well as they did. Um, I will say, and I've said this several times, I, I, I hear a lot of people saying they're the best MLS team ever. They're the best ever. And they're going off the points record. I would also implore those people to look at the teams they played because some of the teams they played weren't fantastic. And I think most MLS fans would agree that the Eastern Conference is a little bit lower in quality than the Western Conference. Mm -hmm. And they only played two Western Conference teams. It was Colorado and Dallas, and they lost to Dallas. So, I mean, there, there is that, but... There's that, that that shouldn't take away from the fact that they are still a very solid team. I'm not saying they're a bad team by any metric. Matt Turner has been fantastic, literally record breaking in terms of shot stopping for MLS. Uh, Gustavo Bo and Carl Seal and Adam Buxa really firing on all cylinders after mm-hmm. um, especially I, I don't think we would have expected uh, Buxa to be playing as well as he did in MLS and even getting call-ups to the Polish national team. Yeah, really cool, but, really cool. Yeah, I don't think we would have expected that. Uh, so still, they, they've done very well. I'm not going to take that away from them, but <laughs> I will say that they have played, I think, a little bit of easier teams than right. other past best teams in air quotes. Right. Well, I'm sorry, Revolution fans, you had to hear that. I still think you're really cool. Uh, so that is, that is the East, Jack. Uh, to go over some of our picks for like team awards, uh, I'll mention that 
like I said before, support shield winner. I had Atlanta United. Didn't go so great. Uh, MLS Cup winner, Orlando City. Still could happen for me. Uh, probably not. And I'll mention when my dark horse team for the East was New England. And I think that went pretty well. Maybe not actually dark horse, maybe just like a regular horse. Because uh, they, they've been very good. And I probably should have seen that they were going to be very good. But still, I, I think that's a win for me. Uh, most disappointing team. I said Columbus Crew and Toronto FC. Which just so, both teams just so happened to miss the playoffs in the East. Jack, did you have any for like those picks way back in April? Any Eastern Conference teams? Yeah, so let me just go over it. Uh, so for Supporters Shield... I thought in the East that the team that had the best chance to capture that was the Columbus crew. Uh, so I took a massive L. Um, we're we're going to talk about how big that L is when we go over who I actually picked to, to win the Sporter Shield, but I won't spoil that yet. Um, MLS Cup um, for the East, not going to happen. I picked Columbus. So Yikes. massive L once again. Um, and then Dark Horse slash most impressive teams. I said New England as my dark horse pick. They they definitely lived up to that expectation. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They definitely did that. Most disappointing, um, I hit it on the mark with one of them and definitely was way off for the other one. So they kind of balance out to nothing. I said FC Cincinnati for being a disappointing team. I think given they invested, what was it, like $30 million in the team uh, yeah. this year? Just $13 that, million on Brenner alone, yeah. Yeah, I think, and then $10 million on Acosta. And then sure. all the other signings, right? I think it's close to thirty million. And finishing dead last, spending even 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 if you just take into account Acosta and Brenner for twenty three million, that's awful. That so I think they they definitely lived up to that disappointing metric. Philadelphia Union was my other pick. Definitely didn't live up to that. Um, I or live down to that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> either either way, they definitely were a lot better than I expected. All right. Cool. Uh, let's go on to the Western Conference, starting at the bottom once more. Or I guess before you get to that, Jack, what is your average uh, discrepancy in the East? I had um, I had pi. 3.14 is my Ooh. average discrepancy between the actual and predicted results. So, AJ, how, how did you do? I have a feeling that it's higher given that I got three correct and you got zero correct in the yeah, East. Well, but. I'm taking some pie to the face because I got 3.71 uh, as my discrepancy. But hopefully I got some in, right in the West. So now that we're moving over there, hopefully I could win that side of the conference. Uh, starting at the bottom, Houston Dynamo. Uh, not a great, great season for them at all. But thankfully, they're going to get a second chance i guess they have three uh dp spots open they have two uh u22 initiative spots open they're looking for a new gm they're looking for a new head coach they have new ownership from last season this is a, a blank slate from them so even though they only finished with 30 points only six wins 54 goals against they can be looking on to more positive things like i said before i got some right in the west this is one of them i put them down as 13th because i was just like this Dynamo team is is absolutely dog water and they were Jack where you have Houston I have them in last as well yeah um yeah oh man although I will say I did predict them to win the wooden spoon so that's a little bit off okay. wooden spoon of the west I guess but still yeah Houston I I said that they had made some good attacking signings and they did you know they they didn't do too awful I think in terms of some of the signings however 
the defensive, the lack of defensive signings really did them in. And you can tell by the fact that they conceded the second most goals uh, tied for with a lot of teams, to be fair, but second most goals conceded in the Western Conference. Uh, That defense was really malleable. They've got to fix that. And like you said, though, uh, sky's the limit for them. They can Mm -hmm. they can really do anything. They, They can change this team for the better. So they definitely have some hope to look forward to. Yes. Another team with a lot of hope, I would say, is Austin FC. Their expansion season, their inaugural season, uh, has had a lot of ups and downs. They started the season off kind of promising, getting some good wins, especially over our Minnesota United. Not great, not great. Uh, They went on a very bad lull, losing games. They finally got a striker in, started scoring some goals, won some games, especially over Portland. A lot of games over Portland. (laughs) Uh, weren't able to do that uh, to end the season off, but you know that's okay. But overall, I think that this season for Austin FC has been very successful, not just from an on the the you know field performance wise, because even though they didn't make playoffs and weren't even really close to making playoffs, you know they still you could see what they're building. You can see what their head coach Josh Wolf is building towards. Uh, they need to make some personnel changes, but overall, for an inaugural team who you know, didn't have the best of pickings, didn't have uh, the greatest of, you know, starts, I would say. It's still a respectable end to the season, still a respectable showing overall. Off the field, really good fan atmosphere, great stadium. Like, they're building something really cool down there. Uh, I had them. I had them in 10th place. They were in 12, so I was off by two, but I, I can't really be mad at that too much. Jack, where you have Austin FC? I had them in 12th place, actually. So that's oh, wow. a second one that I okay. got correct. This is not looking um, great for me. I, I called the bottom tier in our predictions episode the Texas tier for a reason. Um, wow. I, I, I can't I did. believe this. I, but that would be a dis... Calling it that now would be a discredit to the work that Austin FC has done. They have done very well. I'm, I, I think that they... that Like you said, a lot to look forward to. Their stadium has produced in one season one of the best atmospheres in the entire league. Uh, And I'm really excited to see what they can do when they have, you know, when they take this season of learning and can maybe transform it into something bigger, maybe get a a new striker. And they're definitely going to have to get a new center back in with the retirement of Matt Beasler. But still, I, I think that they definitely have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. For sure. I think Dallas has a lot to look forward to when they sell Pepe and maybe Ferreira and rake in those millions and millions <laughs> of dollars. That's right. Uh, the Texas tier is true because FC Dallas is 11th place to make the bomb to West. All teams from Texas, all pretty close together in the standings too. Dallas with 33 points, Austin with 31, Houston with 30. Not a great showing from Dallas either. That might be an understatement. I have nothing to say other than. They were pretty bad. They they really like leaned in on the youth, so it was really cool to see. But it the next season all depends on how they use that potential Pepe Ferreira, Justin Shea money, maybe Pomacall if they sell him, uh, and the the Testman money that they got him before. Like it all just depends on that. And I got nothing to say. Dan Hunt, please invest in your team. I'm begging you, Jack. What do you think about Dallas? Well, and where do you have them? Yeah. Um. 
Well, where did you have them? Because I don't think you said, so you might want to... <laughs> uh, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. Well, no. I can spoil it for for you. Uh, AJ had him in sixth. Yeah. I, I didn't do too much better. I had him in seventh. We both had him making the playoffs. Couldn't really be further from the truth, honestly. Uh, but, you know, they do have a lot of promising points from this. You know, Ricardo Pepe has been fantastic. Uh, and that that's great for them, although it definitely means that he's going to be gone this window, I, I think that's a given at this point that yeah. he's not sticking around. There's a so. lot of like Syria, Bundesliga, even some Premier clubs reportedly looking at him. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot in the works. Really cool to see. Yeah. So I think the main thing that Dallas can take away from this season is that yes, youth is a good thing and can be good, but you've got to balance that out with the veteran presence and not necessarily like veteran as in as old as you can go, but like, you know, veteran as in like maybe maybe in their prime you know maybe yeah. some more prime players but uh still i i don't think that they're doing they're they're in a terrible position i think they can def they definitely have the resources to grow this team into something special i i think that they, they have the resources do i think that it will use those resources do i think dan hunt will invest in this team probably not. no <laughs> you've seen with like the likes of frank o'hara and the teams that the, and like the players that they get they get veteran presence, but it's not good veteran presence. It's not good designated player money spent. It's a lot of misses, even though their academy is a lot of hits. That needs to fundamentally change if they want any chance of sniffing silverware in the next decade. Uh, yeah, so that is Dallas. So we go on to San Jose, got 10th place. Uh, Almeida has done a lot of crazy things, not just the man marking scheme, but... Uh, they scored a goal, or they conceded a goal this past week because they sent all uh, ten men, outfield players, to uh, to t- to potentially head in a corner, right? You know, like you do when you are potentially down one yep, in course, the dying minutes. But I believe that was like they were down one in like the first half, and they conceded a pretty nasty goal. So yeah, that's not great to say the least. That's kind of. Matias Almeida's footprint on the club the past couple of seasons. Uh, I got nothing to say other than they're bad. Hopefully they're better. And uh, long live Wondolowski. That's all I got to say. Uh, I had them right near the bottom, 11th place, just one off, because they finished in 10th. Jack, what do you got to say about them? Yeah, well, uh, San Jose, they, they've got a lot of fixing to do. <laughs> uh, for, these, for the clubs before, I could say there is promise. San Jose, yeah, there's promise, but they've got a lot more work to do, I think, than some of these other teams uh, that that missed out on the playoffs. You know, they've got to get a new head coach in, hopefully one that doesn't uh, go for complete chaos as a scheme for things, you know, or as tactics. But, um, you know, it, it is go- it is sad that I think the biggest thing is just it's sad that Wondolowski won't be playing in the MLS anymore. So I, I think that's the biggie the biggest sad part of the of of the San Jose season. Uh, but I also had them one off, but I had it in the opposite direction. I had them in ninth place, not too far off, but still not not exactly right. Yeah, not exactly right. Indeed. Uh, let's move on to another California team. LAFC finishing in ninth place. <sighs> Jack, Jack, Jack. <laughs> I had him in first place. I had him in first place as well. Yep. 
I also had them as potential contenders for the MLS Cup. And that obviously has not happened. They've had a lot of uh, issues. You know, Carlos Vela was injured to begin the season, but uh, this is just this is just rough to see. Uh, obviously, to get destroyed to, to end the season five to two by the Colorado Rapids, that's tough. But to be fair, they have a lot going for them, particularly one of their midseason signings, Christian Arango. 14 goals and 15 starts. Hello. Wow. But at the same time, they might be losing their head coach, Bob Bradley, or probably definitely. So they have a lot of fixing to do on all calibers. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel by the name of Christian Aranga. That's what I'm trying to say here in a long-winded way. Jack, LAFC, you had them in first place, but what do you think uh, about their kind of catastrophic season this year? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that two years ago broke the points record for MLS, which has now been broken again. But still, that that is such a stark fall off. Uh, like, I, I don't think anyone would have predicted them to go this far down the table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got scored on by Colin Warner. Like, what's going on here? Like, that's... No, I love Colin Warner, but... Uh, well, come on. What's, go, they, what's going they, on They also here? got scored on by a 36-year-old Ozzy Alonso when he got, yeah. to, when he got to a loose ball after a, after a set piece faster than any of their defenders. That, that's, a bit of a, that's a bit of an alarm bell. But, you know, LAFC, I think a lot of the, the thing that went wrong for them is they were decent at times but they never quite finished off games they they let a lot of leads escape them especially twice to minnesota united Uh, i like to hear that they they lost a they uh they ended up losing a one goal lead at uh away from home and at home squandering a two goal lead to minnesota united or sorry still a one goal lead but they they scored in the 87th minute and still tied that game yeah, they, they just didn't finish off games and they've got to fix that because they used to be good at that. I don't know what <laughs> happened to them, but uh, something's got to change. They've got good signings in there. They can definitely still do this. Also, they were only three points off the playoffs. Not bad, but definitely need to be better. Yeah. I, and another thing, um, this was my pick for the supporters shield Ooh. LAFC. Ouch. So I uh, could not have been further from the truth. As I said earlier, I picked between LAFC and Columbus, so I took a massive, massive L. Both teams finished ninth in their conferences. Um, So I guess whoever I think is going to, uh, you know, finish ninth, maybe I should predict to win the Supporters' Shield next season. I guess I'll just have to remember that. Yeah, all right. Uh, LAFC. Well, let's let's talk about... The next California team, because it's been in the news. It's the California tier. <laughs> it's the California tier. Yep. California and Texas were the only two states to miss out in the playoffs in the West. Uh, just just terrible. It, it, everyone's been talking about it. I'm not going to go into it too much. Kind of just uh, it's sad for all the potential markets there. LA Galaxy were the last team out in the West, eighth place. Really, really disappointing from them. They've had... You know, potentially like really cool signings, Cabral and all, all of those guys. They have like very exciting players like Ulian Araujo, and of course, you have to mention uh, uh, Sebastian Legette. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
uh, you know, Jonathan Santos, Chicharito, like those tier of players. And they have a, a now a great head coach in Greg Vanny. And they started off the year super well. Only three losses to open their first 10 games. And then they finished with two wins in 15 games. Nice. Just, yeah. Yeah, it's nice because we got in the playoffs ahead of them. So it's really, really cool to see. Uh, I actually had it right on the money. I, I don't really remember my, uh, my reasoning. I had them in eighth place. I, they are in eighth place. Uh, potentially, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to guess, it's because their defense, I wasn't really convinced on their overall quality as a team outside of like the attack in Chicharito. That actually sounds very likely what I said, because I've been saying that for the past five years or so. Jack, where, where do you put the Galaxy uh, and just how bad are they? I had them in sixth, which, okay. you know, th- isn't too bad. One point off sixth place, so... Uh, definitely not a terrible prediction, but still, they, they were just, they, they finished the season terribly. Uh, I thought they would do well when Chicharito came back and they did kind of do well, but yeah. they didn't do well enough. It, it, by the, by the time he came back from injury, it was too late. Kevin Cabral as well, just didn't fire as much as, as, uh, mm-hmm. you know, galaxy thought he might. Um, yeah. Him, and like Jovalich, I'm trying to remember all, all of their like new sign as uh, Grant, sir. I don't know if he even played. A, <laughs> oh, he played every single match, actually. But uh, the, fact that, you, the fact that you don't remember that he, <laughs> that he played every single match is kind of a testament to maybe that he didn't have as much of an influence as Galaxy were hoping. And yeah, for sure. I think that I think that's the main thing. Galaxy have a promising roster, but it never at, at least towards the end of the season, it just wasn't clicking. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, uh, but yeah, they they probably sh- they probably have the resources to make the playoffs next season, but they they've still got to make those tactics work for all of their players. Yeah, uh, RSL is the next team. Uh, Kralach is uh, going down as one of the most legendary players in RSL history because uh, that last minute goal to seal the deal and get them into the playoffs really cool to see. I got nothing to say about RSL. I'll be honest, it's uh. I don't think they're going to do super well in the playoffs. I had them losing to the Seattle Sounders. Spoiler alert. Uh, I, I really don't have much analysis about RSL uh, other than uh, David Ochoa is kind of an overrated goalkeeper. That's uh, I'll leave. I'll leave it there. Uh, I had them agree in, in 12th place. I really didn't believe him. So I guess my, my uh, overall take here is that they have significantly you know, overperformed in terms of a lot of people's expectations. A lot of people just like me had them in the basement due to the fact that they were looking for new ownership and there's a lot of turmoil there. And for them to have the mental fortitude and to have the grit to not just like get into the playoffs, but really like squeeze their way way in there by pure like want is really cool to see. I I guess I I do have a take on them. There you go. That's my take. Like like overperformance in this case, is was really well earned, given the fact that they had a lot to deal with. Jack, what do you think? Uh, well, I had RSL a little bit higher than you. I had him in eleventh, but yeah, Demir Krylak's good. That that's that that that's the message from this season. Yeah. He's good. He's very good. Um, I think he was second in total goal contributions for MLS this season. Pretty impressive. Uh, and. 
I would also agree that David Ochoa is a little bit overrated and also um, it's a little bit rude to and um, hates Minnesota United fans a lot. So much that he kicks things in uh, fans' faces. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, Just, uh, <laughs> that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. He does hate <laughs> Minnesota fans. He hates a, a lot of people. I think his enemy list is growing by the day. <laughs> uh, let's move on through our list to the Vancouver Whitecaps, which were a very interesting team. I had them in ninth place. They finished sixth, 49 points, a, a zero goal difference, 45 goals for and against. And I just have to read out some of the tweets that uh, reported on Sartini's uh, post-match celebration once they, you know, got into the playoffs, uh, saying stuff like, we will beat Sporting Kansas City. We're different. When asked (laughs) uh, how they'll fare against their playoff matchup, SKC. Uh, He also said that he's so happy that they get a break for for uh the playoffs before they really get into it because he said tomorrow we will be so drunk i don't think we'd be able to play also saying that for the safeness of the city i'm not becoming the mayor so great job sartini i think that i I think there's no no chance he doesn't become the permanent head coach like first of all he's a legend for that and second of all the form that he's had vancouver playing in and to get them into the playoffs after you know it looked like they would miss out and it would just be another mediocre season and getting the city excited about going to Vancouver games. Like I watched the highlights of their uh, decision day game and they showed out. Everyone's excited about this team, regardless of how they finish the playoffs. The fact that there's so much excitement, there's an actual culture building when I really couldn't say that before. Really cool to see Vancouver. Congrats, Jack. Where do you have them? Uh, I had them in 10th, which I feel bad about because I even said that I think that they'll they'll do okay this season. But I don't think I could have expected them to be like pretty like one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Uh, they they were very good overall. The form of what uh, what is it? Um, why can't gold, I think of the white. gold and white? Yes, that sure. those are the two that I don't know why I couldn't think gold of. Gold and white is my favorite like fashion brand, by the way. Yeah, it actually sounds like a law firm a little bit to me. Oh, right yeah, there. true, but, too. Uh, but either way, uh, they, they tore it up uh, towards the end of the season and powered Vancouver into the playoffs for, you know, the, what feels like the first time in forever, honestly. But still, very impressive season from them. And I'm also going to say uh, Maxime Crapeau is still on his day one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. Just, just an opinion I have. Uh, that. I, I didn't know you had that opinion. I, thank you I for said, sharing. Wow. I said it in the in in the predictions for the Western Conference, but <laughs> okay, I just wanted wow. to bring it up again. Right. Uh, I think he's very good. Doesn't get enough recognition. So there you go. There's some more recognition for you, Crapo. All right, cool. Next team is our favorite team, Minnesota United, who, if I remember correctly, Jack, you had them winning uh, MLS Cup. So that's still possible. Although with... Yeah, uh, it is. It is. With them finishing fifth place, uh, I have them... Finishing in third, uh, it, it's looking a little bit less likely now, considering we have to play away to Portland and away to Colorado to even sniff uh, the MLS <laughs> Conference Finals in the it's West. Fine. It's fine. We'd, we'd it, bottle it anyway, you know. Yeah, it, it's historically we have. Uh, overall, if I'm looking at Minnesota's season, we have become one of the only teams to lose the first four games and make the playoffs. I'm really happy about that. 
I'm also really sad, if I'm being honest, that we haven't performed better. Even when we have won, I think that we haven't looked very convincing. And I think a lot of that is due to our manager. I think a lot of that's also due to the fact that a lot of times we haven't had our first choice starting four out there. Lud, uh, Fragapane. There we go. <laughs> Fragapane. Kind of tongue twister. <laughs> uh, Reynoso and Unu. Or you can switch out any of those four for maybe Finley or whatever. Uh, but overall, I, I really think that we're in the playoffs in spite of our issues, in spite of some of Adrian Heath's uh, issues with substitutes and all, all of that jazz. I, I don't know where I'm going with this, other than the fact that uh, I really hope they do well, but something tells me that this team has gone as far as they can with Adrian Heath. Yes, he's gotten us to Open Cup Final, the MLS is Back Semifinal, and the MLS uh, Western Conference Final, but you got to start asking yourself after three really good tournament runs and still no trophies. I don't know, this is my opinion. Uh, I am Adrian Heath out. I've been Adrian Heath out since like even like before the season started. So, Jack, where are you in terms of Adrian Heath and Minnesota's chances? And also, where did you put them? Uh, I put Minnesota United in second place, wow. which I feel like honestly should have been way more where we, we should have been this season. I we think def- so. We definitely should have been more in like uh the 50s for points like uh yeah. 50s maybe even in the 60s i i i feel like we we threw away leads way too often this yeah, season because c- just think about like the vancouver game when we had the 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 terrible penalty call against yep. us maybe if uh we scored that penalty uh just this past sunday that's four points right there from yeah. uh, draws to wins and then you look at what if we won against Austin FC to begin the season? That's seven points. And suddenly or, hold, looking... or hold off against the Colorado Rapids where we blew a two goal lead early in the season. Yeah. Uh, so there and is suddenly, that. And suddenly we're not just looking at uh, potentially second place. We're looking at maybe even challenging for first place there. Exactly. So I feel like this team is really volatile in terms of their potential. Um, I also want to comment on Adrian Hunu because I think that he's gotten a lot of stick and kind of rightfully so at times. But I also think that his movement and uh, everything he's been doing shows that he's going to come good. I think he has the potential to be the first Minnesota United striker that actually does something since Christian Ramirez. So wow, I I, I think he has that potential blazing hot take. I, I hope I hope he lives up to it. I, I know you're a big believer in Unu as well. AJ. I am. So I, I think that it could be possible. Hopefully next season we'll see them hit that height. I, I think you might be right about Heath. It's, it's tough to say just because he, he's, kind of fun, he's kind of funny to, to watch on the sidelines. And, uh, it's, it's, he's, he's kind of funny. He, he's, he, I, I love how he blames the media for things. It's fun. Uh, but I think, I think you might be right that it's been five years with Adrian Heath. It might be time to look to new to new ideas. Yeah, to, to new ideas, to new uh, new leaders in the back office. Yes, he's done very good, very well. But at the same time, like five years is a long time in any job. And when you see the potential of Minnesota and him not reaching it, 
even if we do badly next season and like maybe we just get thrown into a decade of like you know mediocrity we're kind of like already there if we just continue down this uh, path of just like making the playoffs and not really reaching those heights so and before we win the mls cup somehow (laughs) yeah hopefully i'm i'd love to win the mls cup this season that's for sure wouldn't mind it yeah but first we have to play the portland timbers who finished in fourth place in the west 55 points for them so a six point gap between them and everybody else uh i thought portland's i think portland are very good uh helps that they are the best team in uh, the west in terms of their home record so i i think that they're building a lot of good stuff there uh blanco is a great great player so much so that without blanco they're kind of a mess and in fact i'm looking at the stats right here uh without him they have three wins seven losses with a negative eight goal differential with him 14 wins six losses and four draws without blanco they are going to be hurting and i'm not saying that uh you know it's gonna be the case but all i'm saying is that when you rely on one player too much we saw it with say reynoso and then reynoso got marked out of existence and suddenly he's not as dynamic as he was last season that becomes a hard thing to uh kind of work past so obviously they've done very well playing very well but that is a major issue going into the playoffs i i I think that that's an issue that they're gonna have to deal with in the future uh in seasons uh coming up i have them in second place they finished fourth I'll take that just uh, two off right there. Jack, Portland Timbers, where do you have them? What do you think about them? Yeah, um, I actually had them in fourth place, so I, I got it Jeez, right on there. So I did terrible predictions, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you weren't too far off. You had them in second. It's not yeah. too far off, uh, too away. Yeah. But, you know, Portland were very good. You know, you write about Blanco. When he's not there, they don't perform very well. They've got to fix that given that Blanco isn't getting any younger. So you've, you've got to fix that before it becomes an even bigger issue than it already is. I also want to say their defense just wasn't great this season. Mm-hmm. You know, they finished with a goal differential of four despite scoring 56 goals. They let in, out of all of the playoff teams, they, they let in the second most uh, goals, and it's by some margin as well. So I, I think... I think they've got to improve that defense. You know, there, there's a, they, they kind of have the Atalanta method this season where yeah. it doesn't really matter if we're conceding loads of goals as long as we're scoring a ton of them as well, given how many frantic games they had where, you know, they were pretty close in one-goal games. So uh, I, I think they have a decent chance in the playoffs. I'm still, I'm still going to say Minnesota United beat them just because... Wow. We haven't actually lost to them since 2017. 2017, yeah. Which was our first game in MLS. Or maybe it was 2018. I don't, I don't Either way, remember. it's been a long time since, yeah. we, since we've lost them. So uh, I, I think that they, they're doing okay, but they've got to fix some things in their team before it's too late. Yeah. Otherwise, the Timbers could very well plunge into a decade of darkness. Ooh. Wow, that is... <laughs> maybe not a decade darkness. maybe not a decade but like it works better for the alliteration you know yeah okay a, a season of darkness is not very yeah, a season of shadow Ooh. Mm. okay there okay. you go there, there we go. go good uh a, a team that is not plunging into a season of shadow anytime soon is sporting kansas city who finished 
uh, third place, I want to say, yes, in the West. And honestly, I really like SKC. I don't actually like them as a team. I think they are a very good team. Uh, Their main concerns right now are fitness. Against RSL, they had a lot of fitness issues, a lot of players that were out. But now that we're going to the international break, maybe we see the likes of Sanchez, Kinda, Russell come back. Uh, Polito, I don't think we'll see come back in time. I think he'll still be out for a little bit. But overall, with all those players out, you kind of have to think that next season, with all them healthy, especially Polito healthy, this is going to be a very good team, hard to beat team. The main issue, this might be a hot take. I think it's time for Peter Vermees to go. And I know some SK fans, fans also think that, but I think just like with Heath, you know, you know, he's he's won stuff before. Obviously, he's a, he's a great head coach. Kind of has like a blocky head, so it's kind of like fun to like see him like shout because he just looks like a <laughs> he, he looks like he kind of looks like the the angry guy from uh, Inside Out, oh the <laughs> Pixar movie. Uh, that's, that's all I'm saying. Love him. He he's a cool guy. But I, I just think we need some new ideas in SKC because with with this team, I think this team can go far, not just in MLS. But we see them do like pretty well in CCL. I think that this SKC team can do well again in the likes of CONCACAF Champions League. And they might potentially get a spot next year if uh, either Colorado, Seattle, or uh, New England win the MLS Cup. So, you know, I'd like to see a new head coach kind of take them to the heights where they once were when they won the Open Cup and uh, the MLS Cup in years past just because this potential is there. Uh, I had them in fifth place, so two off, because uh, they finished in third. Jack, where did you have them? What do you think? I had them in third place as well, so that's another one I got right on. Gosh, uh, please. I, I did pretty well predicting uh, on here. I got four correct so far, but SKC, um, you know, they, they were pretty good, but I think the end of the season was it should be worrying for SKC that's, that's injuries that's injuries though. it's injuries but at the same time uh, you I you know they yeah. they have they they should have a lot of depth given how much how many transfers they've brought in and uh you know either way losing to minnesota giving up giving up a lead against minnesota losing to austin a 3-1 yeah, yeah. loss against them that's and a loss to rsl uh which you know though those aren't great. They also got lucky to win, I think, against Seattle, given that, you know, Melia, he was suspended afterwards for literally body slamming rolled up, Christian rolled on to the ground. But uh, if, if he had get, got some sent off in that game, I think they lose that one. Like you they they lost four out of their last six games in this season. Yeah. And yes, injuries play a part in that. But at the same time, it, it, there's still a lot of issues, I think, in this team. Polito coming back will fix some of those things. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you can't be relying on Daniel Shalloy to be your leading goal scorer that powers you through games because this is like his first good season, really, in MLS. So, yeah, I, I, I think I think uh, it's not a sustainable strategy, potentially. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, another uh, kind of similarity between Heath and Vermees, other than me just wanting them both to leave, is the fact that they really think that it's just conspiracy theories against their clubs. Yep. And yep. Peter Vermees is very much in that. Uh, second in the West is the Seattle Sounders. 
Uh, yeah. So, you know, they haven't won a game in six uh, six tries. Not a great way to go into the playoffs. Maybe, maybe not uh, the best team right now, even in the West. So a, a lot of uh, issues just in terms of form. But yet they have some of the, the best players in the league, hands down. The role Dan's, Joao Paulo is, spoiler alert, my signing of, of the season. You have potentially Jordan Morris coming back, Lodero's out, but still you have great uh, uh, backups in Atencio, you know, whatever, you know what I mean. Uh, Rui Diaz, I can't believe I forgot about him, and Stefan Fry in goal, like great, great players. Great defending, especially only three, 33 goals allowed, but only the 14th most in XG in open play per game. Some offensive and defensive kind of uh, polar opposites right now. So I think that those are going to be the major issues that they need to fix in the offseason and especially in the next two weeks going into the playoffs. I had them in fourth place. I actually had them as one of my disappointing teams because I wasn't really sure how they would, you know, react and adapt to missing some of their players and uh, traversing this kind of new looked Seattle Sounders team. But they did well. I was too off. Whatever. Jack, Seattle Sounders. Uh, what do you think about them? Yeah, I was I was a bit worse off on this one. I got three. I was three off for it. I had them in fifth place. It's not bad at all. But yes. yeah, um, I, I think you're you're definitely right. Seattle Sounders form in those last six games of the season should be very worrying to any any Sounders fans out there, especially given that, like, you know, they lost to one of their main rivals for the uh, to get to the conference finals at home. You know, to Sporting Kansas City. You know, they they lost at home to SKC uh, in late October. They lost to LAFC, which is real bad. Tied against the Galaxy, who were spiraling downwards. And, you know, tying to Vancouver on the final day of this season. Kind of respectable. Uh, but also losing to Houston in that run of of games. And that's kind of, that's kind of inexcusable, I think, in my book at, at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sounders, they've got to... I feel like I've said this for every team, but they've got to find another number 10 who's going to come in and be the next uh, Lodero. You don't believe in Lodero anymore? Well, I, I think he it's it's fine that he's there and he's a good he I'm he's more than a good player. He's a great player. But again, getting older, lots of injuries happening. Wow, OK, I, I think they, they need at least depth to cover there because Christian Roldan is fine there, I guess. But. He's more of an eight than a 10, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, you've really got to get that creative playmaker who can power you through, create chances for your forwards to convert. Right. That That's that's my view on uh, the Sounders. But I, I'm not going to say they're they're like they're like doomed or like they're they're not going to do great in the uh, in the future. They're still the Sounders. So, I mean, they're yeah. going to be fine. All right, the Sounders, let's cap off the West by talking about Colorado Rapids. This was my dark horse pick, like, overall, and I got it right on the money. Like, I'm super happy because nobody really expected Colorado Rapids to even sniff first, but here they are winning it and by destroying LAFC 5-2 in the final day. And really, this is just a testament to how well-built this team is. They have the likes of, you know, really cheap and or domestic players that, that made up most of their roster uh you can look towards you know uh the likes of price uh bassett yarbrough acosta 
uh, Vine, Sinashiki, and a great coach in Robin Frazier, who has not been given a chance before, but finally has come back to MLS, is doing super, super well. You know, a club record high points. Like, there, I can't say enough about this team. Like, it is, there is no true star on this team, really. Like, you can point towards some players that, you know, score cool goals or do important things on this team, but this is really like the sum of its parts is just, it, it outranks like the individual parts overall. And what Frazier's building here and what Colorado in general is building from off the field and on the field is so great to see. That being said, I, uh, if I'm being honest, I think I have them losing in the, in the second round because this is still like a, a relatively unproven team at the highest level, at the, in the highest stakes. I haven't seen enough from Colorado to say that they will for sure win the title this year or they will for sure win the conference final. They, it's just not in their DNA as an organization right now. And maybe that's a bit nitpicky. But at the same time, I think a lot of Colorado fans will agree with me when I say that winning as of recently, hasn't been 100% in their DNA. They're building there, but I, I would honestly put Seattle or SAC in the conference final before I put uh, Colorado there. I had them, uh, not in first place, actually. Uh, surprise, surprise. I had them in uh, seventh place. So, uh, pretty far off. Jack, where did you have them? I, I, I had them in eighth. In eighth. Okay. Okay. In eighth. Eighth place. Um, I didn't believe in the Rapids because one, I don't like the Rapids, and two, I I just didn't think that they had enough star power on their team. But they overcame that by just being a solid, like a solid team. Really, uh, they they played well together, and it's a true testament to uh, the the sum of the individuals is great is uh. The sum yeah, of the parts. I messed up saying too. Whatever. It's all right. <laughs> whatever. You know. Uh, you know. You know yeah. the drill. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. It, it's late. I'm. I'm. Not, or kind of late. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Colorado has been very good. Yeah. If there's going to be one thing that harms them, don't have a solid out and out striker. Kind of the same problem as Minnesota United is having, uh, where they don't really have a, a clear cut goal scorer who's going to convert the chances that they get. But given that almost everyone on their team seems to score, that doesn't really seem to be a problem. So, um, yeah, I, I, I also I, I'm hoping that they lose in uh, the second round just because I have Minnesota United facing them in the second round. Uh, and Cringe. I would really like to see that happen. Uh, will it happen? Probably not. But I can dream. And I, I'm sure the Colorado Rapids are dreaming of an MLS Cup, maybe as well. All right, that is the Western Conference, Jack. Uh, which one of uh these teams did you put in those like team specific awards we did in April? Mm -hmm. Any of them in particular? Uh, well, for disappointing, uh, I had Seattle Sounders in the West. Didn't quite really uh match up to that. I had the Houston Dynamo, but okay, they were, they, that's good. I don't think they were expected to be impressive so i'm not sure how good of a pick it was to say they would be disappointing but disappointing they were so uh i guess i'll take what i can get on that for um dark horse team in the in the western conference i'm pretty proud of this one 
I said Vancouver that uh, I, that's I a put, decent shot. I put them in 10th, but I did say I think honestly they could make it into the playoffs and surprise a couple of teams. That's a direct quote from that episode right there. Uh, so I, I did think that there's a possibility they could do things. But I like I said, I don't think either of us could have really projected how much of an upset they could have produced. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And other other ones uh, we already talked about Sporter Shield. We can talk about that even less because I don't <laughs> want to relive who I picked for that. Um, I'm going to scrub that from my memory. Um, <laughs> but in case you were wondering before I scrub it from my memory, it was LAFC that I picked. But we can L. Yeah. Really playing the just, L and LAFC. Yeah, really. Yep. Um, and then MLS Cup. I picked Minnesota to win it. Still, Still could possible. happen. Still possible. Likely, probably not. Uh, probably not a statistically significant chance of them winning at this point in time, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, I'd give them at least one percent. Five thirty-eight gives them a two percent chance. So, Ooh. double, double that. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, my MLS Cup winner was not from uh, the West; it was Orlando City. But my dark horse team already mentioned it: Colorado Rapids. Really proud of that pick. Most disappointing team. Uh, one of them was right. One of them was definitely wrong. Seattle Sounders was the definitely wrong one. I said that they had a lack of depth, which obviously uh, Didn't came, into I mean, came into play. Yeah. And I was proven wrong because apparently uh, 16 year olds can just beat whoever they want. Apparently. <laughs> yep. That's insane. And San Jose. I was like, it's Almeida's last stand. I don't think they're going to do well. And they didn't. So good. Good for me. All right, it's late, Jack. So let's talk well, very quickly. What oh, what sure, about the variance? How how far off were you for your projections oh, for the I'm West? I'm always forgetting this. I'm always forgetting this. So I just want to rush right into the player awards because I want to talk about some golden boot winners. Two point nine two. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, I did better. beat you on this. I got I two point four six. Uh, so I I I'm the superior predictor of MLS standings. Don't no big deal. I got seven correct Whatever. overall. Twenty six percent of the field right. AJ. You got two, so 7% correct. <laughs> Jack, let's see how we do in the Premier League predictions, huh? Uh, how about that? No, it's not going to be let's good. Let's see how we end up there. I, knew, I, I know I've already lost that one because I think I projected Crystal Palace to get relegated in 20th, so. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some of the player award winners and get the heck out of here, Jack. How about that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with Golden Boots. Obviously, we don't, we can't, like, debate about who should get the Golden Boot. It was uh, Valentin Castellanos, 19 goals, uh, wins against Ola Kamara based on the tiebreaker, which is assists. Uh, NYCFC really ran through Castellanos. He played very well, played a lot of minutes for them. So really good to see that. Uh, I think this might be the first time in at least a very long time that the Golden Boot winner did not at least get 20 goals. Like, I can't remember the last time it's been just 19 goals, which I think speaks to how spread out the goal scores were and how there weren't a lot of like out and out, like true prolific strikers in the league. Uh, Ola Kamara, like I said, DC United, uh, 19 goals, five assists, a lot of penalties, but scored in 900 less minutes, like scored 19 goals in 900 less minutes compared to Castellanos. Pretty impressive. Chicharito, 17 goals, 21 games played. Pretty impressive. Rui Diaz, 17 goals. Uh, I think he missed a good amount there. Buxa, for New England, 16 goals, uh, and then just a bunch of other players that we don't have to get into because that's the, the the majority of the the good ones. I should say Mukhtar, 16 goals, 12 assists as well. 
Uh, Jack, Golden Boot, any opinions on there? Do you think uh, assists are a good tiebreaker? Do you think Casillas really deserves it? I think it should be non-penalty goals, personally. That that's that that. All right, so is he what still would have won it. To yeah, be he fair. still would have won it. But uh, do you remember who we picked for our Golden Boot winner? Uh, I can look back. Who did I, you I've have? got I've got it for both of us. Okay, uh, go ahead. We both picked Carlos Vela, and you said, "quote LAFC are going to be really impressive this season." Uh, so we both took a major L on that. I uh, I said honorable mentions: Alan Polito, definitely not right, and Joseph Martinez. All right, he had 15 goals, I think. So not bad. But how many goals did Vela score? Do you know, probably like two. I I I don't know exactly how many, but it's, it's not a lot. Five. Thank you very much. It's still, it's still much less than I think we both were anticipating. Yeah. The last time he scored was against uh, Minnesota United, actually, in oh. July 29. So, nice. yikes. Yeah. Our, our pick was not great there. Uh, Jack Golden Ball, which we define as the most assists. Uh, it was Heal, obviously, New mm-hmm. England. Even though he got injured, still scored 18 assists. Mihalovic from Montreal, which is very surprising to me, 16 very, very good. Call for him. him back into the USMNT. Let's Honestly, go. Honestly, uh, unironically, yes. Over Julian Gressel yep. with, with 13. <laughs> Mukhtar with 12. And Price for Colorado with 12. Jack, who did we have winning the Golden Ball? Something tells me you both voted for the same person, and it was Emmanuel Reynoso. Yes, that is correct. Uh, with, quote, they're going to be really good creatively and oh good goodness. at finishing chances. I added and good at finishing chances with Roman Abila up front. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. That's, that's pretty bad. cold take. Very cold take. Yeah. I, I to be fair, I had it as a toss up between Valeri did not turn out. Pizuelo no. did not turn out. No. Reynoso did not turn out and Lodero didn't turn out. Yep, so I had, I had the same ones. I also had Sebastian Blanco. Nope. Still, still didn't turn out. Still didn't work. Cheese, cheese, cheese. But Carlos Heal, obviously one of the the, be- the better players, was on track to potentially uh, beating beating the record for the most assists in MLS for a single season. Then he got injured, but still, what a pivotal player for New England. And Mihalovic, too, being right up there, maybe could have taken it. Very cool to see. Golden Glove is a little bit more, I would say, uh, kind of ethereal. You know, there, there's no real set... Uh, criteria in right. winning the golden glove unlike in like uh the Premier League where it's just clean sheets so i have i have five and you can add some more if you'd like uh, i'll just read out their stats william william yarborough for colorado 41 expected goals against outperformed it i uh, only conceded 32 goals with 13 clean sheets to his name matt turner for new england uh captain america himself 41 expected goals against only 35 conceded five clean sheets uh Someone who I honestly has not thought about until this very moment, Carlos Coronel for New York Red Bulls, 40.5 expected goals against, only 33 uh, conceded, 13 clean sheets to his name, also very impressive, tied with Yarbrough. Tim Melia for SKC, 46.6 expected goals against, only 33 conceded, which I think is the biggest difference, seven clean sheets. And Joe Willis... The the XGA versus GA was not impressive, so I didn't include it. But he also had 13 clean sheets thanks to a strong Nashville team. Jack, first of all, I know that your Golden Glove, I believe, was Willis. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And, and I had mine as Matt Turner. I yep. I also quoted as a. I went with U.S. Men's National Team's number two, Matt Turner. Yep. Now it's yep. uh, maybe number one. But Jack, who do you think should win the Golden Glove this time around? 
I I think it's probably going to be Matt Turner, regardless of what I think he he's he's going to win it, I think. And I don't think anyone can stop him. It doesn't matter that he only had five clean sheets. He he was he was pretty good throughout the season uh, and was pretty good. Might be an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. Historically good is uh, is a better way to put it. Um, I I had him as my second choice for that. But I said Joe Willis would, would be good and keep the most clean sheets, I said. Because that's how I define the best goalkeeper, at least in this. And I said Nashville is set up to be defensively minded. Kind of true. He did keep technically the most clean sheets tied with a lot of other uh, of great goalkeepers. But I do want to give an honorable mention to Tyler Miller. And while, you know, he did concede some goals, he did keep Minnesota United in a lot of games throughout the season. That's true. Obviously, he's not going to win the Golden Glove. And I don't think he should be in like the top five for it. But I do want to... Give, give him a little bit of a shout out just because, you know, I without him, I think there's a very real possibility we we would would have been closer to Houston than we were to to like Portland. So. All right, cool. Uh, my pick is William Yarbrough. I, I think the difference between expected goals against and goals against is really, really impressive. 13 clean sheets is also good, and he helped elevate Colorado to heights uh, yet unseen. So. I have him as my Golden Glove winner, even though I do think it's Matt Turner. And part of me kind of thinks that's undeserved just because I think Matt Turner might, if he gets it, will get on name factor, which I don't like to see. Yeah. Uh, MVP is the next one, probably the big, biggest one. I have three nominees, Jack. You can add any if you'd like. Uh, Carlos Heel, 8.14 foot mob rating, 18 assists, 11 player on the match awards, 95 to 99th percentile in assists, expected assists shot creating option uh uh actions yes progressive passes and carries and passes attempted per 90 obviously help uh new england to a record-breaking season then to apollo the newcomer 7.79 foot mob rating for the seattle sounders uh six player of the match awards top 10 percent assists attempted passes and tackles per 90 there's only been two games where he played more than 70 minutes that he didn't get at least a score of seven as a foot mob score. Really impressive. Uh, Henny Mukhtar. Uh, striker for Nashville. 7.71 foot mob rating. 8 player of the match awards. 26 goal contributions. Which is top of the league. Top 5% in assists. Passes attempted. And shot creating actions in 90. And is one of the better pressing forwards. With him being in the 88th and 84th percentile. In pressures and tackles per 90. Uh, for all forwards in MLS. Jack. Who's your pick for MVP? It might be unpopular, but I actually might go with Haney Mukhtar. Okay. Because he powered Nashville into an actual legitimate looking playoff team when they've just entered the league like two years ago. He's been incredible. Those goal contributions, really, 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 really good. Uh, and he he is kind of the reason why Nashville's attack was so good. Like, uh, you know, and also he defended from the front which contributed to Nashville's defensive shape. Uh, I know that the popular pick is going to be Carlos Heel. Also my pick, but yeah. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I guess I'm just trying to be different, give, give some support to another player I think would be honestly equally deserving. I think any of these three players that you've mentioned would be equally deserving of the MVP award. I disagree because I think Carlos, Carlos Heel is just on another level in terms of how important he was, even if it didn't really show up too much well, I should say that he got the most assists, but like, even if it wasn't already apparent, 
should I say again that he was in the top 95, 99th percentile of a million stats in terms of playmaking? Like he was the engine that made New England run. Hany Mukhtar, great player, close second. Honestly, Carlos Hildo is on another planet, so I think that he should win it. Moving on from that, signing of the year. Oh, I should, I should say, who was your picks for MVP way back when? Uh, Carlos Vela, so we can skip that. And you said Lucas Zellerion, so I think you yeah, might want to skip it as well. we can also skip that. Yeah. yeah. Even though Zellerion, uh, you know, was actually playing pretty well, just not for a, a good team. Yeah. Signing of the year, uh, I already know who I picked. I believe it was uh, Brenner yep, was my main correct. pick. that's correct. Yes. Also mentioned Alex Ring, um, Molino, uh, Alan Franco, and oh, Alexander Pato for Orlando <laughs> played like four games. <laughs> Okay, we 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 do not have to talk about that at all. We can talk about the signings of the year that you know should get like newcomer of the year or whatever. Uh Christian Arango for LAFC, 14 goals since August, 14 goals and 15 starts. Amazing. Uh Leon Flash is my other nominee, uh defensive midfielder from Philly. Top 20% for pressures and tackles, top 3% in blocks. Uh Jordi Mihalovic, 18 goals assists for just eight hundred thousand dollars Really good. My winner, though, of course, is Joao Paulo. I forgot that he was a new signing. I already mentioned what he's done for Seattle, but he's honestly the best player in MLS not named Carlos Heel and Hany Mukhtar this season. Jack, who are your signings of the year, and uh, uh, who did you pick way back when? Uh, way back when, I picked Alex Rain and Kevin Molino as honorable mentions. Not great. Uh, Alex Rain was all right, but Kevin Molino played 11 games, so... yeah. Uh, but I picked Jordi Mihalovic as my my pick for signing of the year. And okay. to be fair, I, I don't think I did too bad with that one. I think I definitely did better than Brenner for your pick. So uh, <laughs> Mihalovic, you know, he was a bargain, uh, but I would actually go with Christian Arango for a signing of the year. Fair, fair. 14 goals in half of a season. Th- those are kind of like the Emmanuel Reynoso numbers that uh, that we talked about. So I think we can expect next season he's going to get marked out of every game. Uh, uh, but, you know. True, actually, yeah. But, you know, uh, still very impressive season for uh, the Los Angeles man. Even if it didn't result in playoff, in getting to the playoffs, he is the only reason they had any chance of making it into the playoffs at the end of the season. Right. That So I, I think he turned them around quite a bit. And... Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think the thing that works against him, though, is that he's only played half of a season. So, yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to the flop of the year. And it's, it's kind of hard to like really quantify this because, A, we are not really familiar with all the teams. And also, it's hard to quantify a flop when it's only been like a season. Yeah. But the three that I came up with is Kevin Cabral, six million, only five goals. Still, you know, plenty of time to grow. Kevin Molino, not because it cost them a lot of money, it was a free transfer, but that he only played 11 games and he was very much hyped up as like a the next piece for this Columbus Crew team. Yeah. And I also picked him as one of my potential signings of the year. So, And I also picked uh, my other signing of the year, Renner, $13 million down the drain. Well, not down the drain, he's still young. Only eight goals. That might say a lot more about Cincinnati than it does him. I think if they get some more pieces around him, He'll look better, but still, eight goals is not great at all. My flops of the year, Jackie, remember, were actually 
Kevin Cabral and also Brenner. Yep. So. Yep. I think you kind of cheated by putting Brenner as signing of the year and flop of the year, but okay. Uh, I wanted to cover my bases in case he popped (laughs) off. Jack, who are your flops of the year if you can come up with any? Uh, I think those are like the main three. I, I I'm tempted just uh, from like a Minnesota United perspective to say Fernando Adi is a bit of a flop as well for, I don't think anybody but, expected him to do good. Yeah, that, that is true. That's, that's the other part that I was about to say. No one expected him to be great or anything. Um, Ryan Shawcross, maybe in inter Miami. Oh, yeah. You, you can name off like Kieran Gibbs, I think was, yeah, is playing. Exactly. For them. Uh, you know, they're, most of inter miami's new signings i think <laughs> yeah you could just say um so maybe we might just put uh inter miami and in, into actually sure. no that's that's unfair to call their entire team a flop since they finished 11th but yeah whatever they uh they had a lot of flop signings i think but we right. both i i said brenner as well because the hype and his price tag kills any potential even if he has a good season like i think an eight goal season is still okay right yeah, maybe it's just because I'm not used to having productive strikers as a Minnesota <laughs> United and Chelsea fan. But uh, still, oh. I, but like uh, I can't I, believe that Chelsea fan just said Lukaku is unproductive. Well, for this season, not so okay. far. And okay. I'm more talking about Timo Werner from last season. Oh, oh yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> That's sure. what I'm more talking about. All right, let's move on to some productive players for once. Young player of the year. Our final thing that we're going to talk about. I guess we could talk about coach of the year, but. Yeah. Uh, that might be a bit shorter. Young player of the year, just a couple of names. Tejon Buchanan, eight goals plus five assists. Leon Flash, I already talked about him. Kevin Paredes for DC, three goals plus one assist. Uh, Daryl DK, who you know had a slow start, only joined Orlando like partway through the season. Ten goals and assists. Uh, Julian Araujo, right back for Los Angeles Galaxy, got six assists as a right back. Pretty good. Ziegler Barco, uh, Jack's talked about him in the Atlanta section. Seven goals, six assists. Really a resurgent season from him. And my personal pick. Everyone's pick, I think. Yeah, it's a popular pick just because it's the name value and also just because he had a really, really good season. Ricardo Pepe, FC Dallas. The yeah. Pepe train is real. Not, even discounting his performances with the U.S. Men's National Team, 13 goals and two assists is nothing to like sniff at, especially when... He wasn't playing for a good team, and he wasn't getting great chances. Tejon Buchanan, love him, one of my favorite like non-U.S. players, still played on a team that has likes of Buxa, Bow, and Heel. Like he was like that other attacking option they had. So obviously he's going to get a lot of goals and assists there. To play with the likes of you know Dallas, <laughs> to to get that much output out of there, that's a really impressive season. Peppy's my pick, Jack. Pepe is your pick too, right? Yeah, of course. I, 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 I don't think I could really make much of an argument for the other choices. Uh, he yeah. contributed to 30% of Dallas's goals. Oh, nice. Uh, or just like in goal numbers. I didn't take a look at assist numbers as well, but still, uh, really fantastic. And he's, what, 19, 18 or 19? 18, yeah. Yeah, um, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean... It's just it's it's just an incredible season for him. Uh, he's definitely going to Europe this window. Right. I, yeah, I think sure. I think that's happening without a doubt. And he's definitely going to be taking the Young Player of the Year trophy with him in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my picks for this uh, award way back when uh, I had Cole Bassett and James Sands as three and two respectively. 
not too bad. I mean, James Hans had a really good season with NYCFC. Cole Bassett also with Colorado. So obviously not as good as like some of the names I mentioned, but still, you know, respectable. I'd, I would have them and like if I expanded this list to 10 on that short list. Also Santiago Sosa, which, you know, he also had like pretty decent, you know, season with Atlanta, even though they didn't do well too, too well as a team. Uh, not too worried about those picks. Who did you have, Jack? Um, I had Io Akinola in third place for mine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not great, uh, but also he was playing for Toronto. So, I mean, yeah, it's Toronto this season. Uh, but my top two were, I think, okay. Uh, Mihailovic. Who and, uh, apparently wasn't eligible for this award because right, he's 23. Right. Uh, because last season it was U23 players because Diego yeah. Rossi won it last season and he was 23 when he won it. So that's what we were working off of. Um, and Gianluca Busio, who, you know, only played half of a season. But, but was pretty good in that season. Really good. Uh, I mean, so that that's I, I don't think that they're bad picks, uh, except for maybe Akinola. Not a great pick there, but Busio and Mihailovic. Not bad, I think. Definitely both had great seasons. Busio, obviously, only had half of a season, but he's kind of tearing it up for for Venezia. So. Yeah, still, I, I, I think I think that's pretty successful. All right. And Jack, finish this off. Coach of the year. I have Robin Frazier or Bruce Arena. And it, my heart wants it to go to Frazier because he has built this team up so well. From underdogs to now the overdogs, I guess you could say, <laughs> of uh, of the West. I really like that. Bruce Arena, obviously. It's a historically good season, so I guess I have to give it to Bruce Arena. But either one of these coaches definitely deserve it. Are you shaking your head? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be Frazier? your part for a second here. Okay, I'm giving you. it to Robin Frazier. Come on, given given the resource, the difference, I think in overall supposed quality of the of the teams that they're working with. Right, I think on paper, New England Revolution is a better team than Colorado Rapids. Right. Uh, the signings that they have are higher, are like higher quality. Carlos Hill, uh, Adam Buxa, um Why can't I think of other players? Regardless, still, sure. uh, still good, very, very good players. I think Robin Frazier has done incredible with what he has at Colorado. And, you know, I, I think New England Revolution, you would expect them to be in the playoffs regardless. Right. Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an expectation, but Robin Frazier surpassed that and got them first seed in a first round bye. And for, for that, that that is why they uh, why Robin Frazier is my first choice pick for coach of the year. All right. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Those are our awards. That is our regular season recap. Such a long episode, but a lot to cover. And I'm really glad we went through all of that. Jack, where can people shout at us? on twitter because we're wrong about everything uh on twitter at final third show you know you can shout at us for being wrong on this uh or you know you can kind of banter us for being so bad with predictions uh you can you know you can you can mock aj for saying pato would be one of the best signings of the year or you know me for saying carlos velo is going to uh, be mvp is who I picked uh, for that. Uh, so, you know, uh, either way, uh, we appreciate the interaction and appreciate uh, all the comments and 
fun conversations we get to have with listeners on there. So check it out on Twitter at Final Third Show. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, tell your friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to listen to us make fun of his favorite MLS team. We'll catch you guys next Monday for our news and predictions episode. And same time, same place for uh, an MLS playoff deep dive next Thursday. See ya. Bye for now. Here.